1 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 1, going to verse 13 today. Uh, I cut it a little bit short. I uh, was going to go to 22. Uh, I just think contextually this might flow a little bit better if we uh, combine 14 and 22 to the next week's passage of Scripture. And so, uh, listen, I, I, uh, I'm excited about today's passage. I'm excited about everything that's going on here today. And, uh, but, you know, this is uh, an opportunity for us to hear a message from the Lord. And uh, I really do believe that God speaks through his word. And not just because I'm, I'm preaching it, but because it's, it's his word. And, you know, and I, uh, if, if I wasn't preaching today and you were just studying your Bible, God, God would work and speak. And, and some would think, well, why do I even go to church then, Pastor Jeff? Because we're called into community, that's why. And we're called to, to live in community with one another and without community, we struggle, we have hardships. And when we have hardships, we can rely on one another and we can support each other and we can train each other up in the way that we should go and we can teach each other God's word. And sometimes when we study God's word, we think, oh, this is what it means. And then we're like, oh, wait, no, that's not what it means. And somebody else can tell you, no, that's not what it means, you know. And so I, I say all that to say, like, I, I hope that you are spending time in God's Word each and every day, each and every week, and that if I'm saying something up here from this pulpit, and it's like, you know what, I don't think that's what that means. You know, you should come talk to me. You know, I'm not exempt from false doctrine, from preaching incorrectly. I have a degrees on my wall, but I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, and sometimes I, I do that. And uh, I'm not opposed to you telling me that I'm wrong. And I'll tell you that you're wrong uh, when you do. And so, you know, my wife tries to tell me that all the time and I don't listen to her. So what makes me think, what makes you think I'm going to listen to you? And so, uh, but uh, I do think that God's word is important. Absolutely, 100%. And so if, you, if you're here today and you don't have a copy of God's word and you would like one, I offer this, you know, I try to do this quite often and, and uh I mentioned this last week and somebody said, hey, I need a Bible. And so we ordered one for them. And so if you're here today and you don't have one, I, I would love to get you one, okay? And if there's anything I can, you know, do to help you with that, please let me know. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 to 13. If you're not there already, I'll keep talking. But uh, if you are, then let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. I thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. And I thank you for the many elements of worship that we've experienced here today, for the songs that have been sung. The gifts that have been given, uh, the baptism, the announcements, the prayers that have been lifted up, Father. And now as we come together to hear your word be preached, Father, I pray that our lives will be open to what you have to say to us. I, I, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a mighty way, that you'd penetrate our heart, that you would sanctify our thinking, that you'd correct our desires, that you would teach us, Father, what's true, what's, what's, what your word is trying to teach us and how it applies to our lives today, Father. I pray that you would just... Reveal to us, let us see truth today and hear from you in a way that would cause us to change, that would cause us to, to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I recognize that I have a part in this. And so, Lord, if you would, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you cleanse me of the unrighteousness that's in my life? And 
Give me the grace that is necessary to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance, believers into a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, we would love nothing more than to see someone here today profess Christ as Savior. And uh, a lot of awesome things are happening, but maybe that would be the tops. And so, Father, speak and move to those who are here today that don't believe. For those who do and that maybe are struggling or going through hardships or difficulty, that may be having a, a rough week or a rough day, rough year, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would comfort them, that you would give them grace, Lord, that they would hear from you, that they would feel your presence here today and know that you are God. Lord Jesus, we love you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was at a, a funeral here in town of our Meyerhofer, and a guy came up to me and said, Pastor, I got a question for you. And I said, okay. He goes, I, uh, my son and I, were, we were watching you preach on the TV, and he goes, you know, I, uh, my son thought for sure that you were chewing tobacco when you preached. I need to know, are you chewing when you preach? And I said, listen, I'm redneck, but I'm not that redneck, okay? Like, <laughs> listen, uh, I, I've, I've, I'm going to just confess something to you today. Your pastor has chewed twice in his life, has tried chewing tobacco twice, and I have despised it both times I've tried it, you know. And uh, listen, it's not... There's nothing glamorous about chewing tobacco, and there's, and there's nothing flavorful about it either. It tastes terrible. And, uh, you know, I don't understand it, but like, even if you, if you look at the box, okay, the, the, the can of tobacco, it says, warning, this, this can cause cancer, right? There's all kinds of warnings on there. If you look at even like a pack of cigarettes, there's all kinds of surgeon general warnings, and like, you know, every year they seem like they pass more laws to, to tell you and to warn you. Hey, don't, don't do this. It could cause heart disease. Don't, like, like smoking affects every organ of your body. Don't do it, right? And yet, people do it. People chew. And I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't, but, you know, maybe you ought to think about it if you're doing it, you know. Uh, but listen, the, there are all kinds of warnings in life, you know. When you drive down the road, there are these orange signs that say, hey, there's a the road is closed ahead or the, the right lane is closed or the left lane is closed and yet there are people you know that, that, that see these signs for miles and miles on end and what do they do? They don't slow down you know and they, they zip in right in front of the 80,000 pound semi and they think this is a good idea you know. It's like listen you can't get we're all going the same place you know what I mean like it's single lane traffic there's no fast way to get through here just calm down. Take your time. Be safe. Watch out for the construction workers. Heed the warning. But they don't, you know. 
In our passage scripture for today, Paul is warning the church in Corinth that there are consequences to their decisions. Paul is using Old Testament examples of what happened in Israel to show them that the same thing could happen to them if they're not careful. If they continue down the path that they are on, then they could face the same fate that their spiritual forefathers experienced. Chapter 10, verse Corinthians, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and, I, and all passed through the sea. In verse 1, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, let's not be dumb and forget about what happened to Israel. But let's just push pause here, okay? Many of us know what happened to Israel, to the Hebrew people in Exodus, during the Exodus. But the Corinthians, they didn't know, friends. They, they, were, they weren't Jews. They weren't Jewish Christians. They were Gentiles. So they, they didn't have a Jewish background. They didn't study the Torah growing up as a kid. They had no historical background of the information that, that we've learned growing up in the church that you got taught in Sunday school or taught at VBS or, or you, you read on an annual basis when you go through the Bible in one year. They, don't, they, never, they never read Exodus. They didn't know the story of Moses and God delivering the people from the hands of the Egyptians. They didn't hear that story. They didn't hear about them and the plagues and all that good stuff and walking through the Red Sea and being, I mean, they just, the, the cloud walking in front of them, they just didn't know that story. So Paul is saying, hey, I, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant here. I mean, let me tell you what happened a long time ago. Let me make sure that you are fully aware of the God that you worship, of his character, of what he's prone to do and what he has done in the past. What happened to the Hebrew people? Well, God delivered them. In Exodus 13, we see that God went before them in a cloud and delivered the Hebrew people from the hands of the Egyptians. He was with the people. They had seen his hand of the deliverance. They saw God drown the Egyptians in the Red Sea. Listen to what Paul teaches in to the church in Corinth about the condition in the next few verses. Verse 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For the drink from the spiritual rock that followed them and, and that rock was Christ. Everybody walked with God through the Red Sea. They were faithful in the waters. They were faithful in, with what they ate and drank. They, were, they all ate the same food. Drank the, they all walked the same way. They all ate the same food. They all drank the same drink. They, I mean, they all were there together. They all saw God in the cloud. I mean, they, they experienced this, friends. And can you imagine that as you walk before you, there's God in a cloud leading the way? I mean, if God delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, if you, if you saw this firsthand, I mean, if you saw him part the sea, and then as you get through, the Egyptians are coming out, and they, he drowns them in that same sea. I mean, like you see God's hand miraculously at work. And what happens? What Paul is trying to do here 
as they get these people to see the similarities between the Hebrew people and themselves. God delivered the Hebrew people from the hand of the Egyptians. And God delivered the Corinthians from the grip of sin. God used Moses in the Exodus story to, to save his people. And God used Jesus in his, the Corinth story. Some might even argue that Paul, God used Paul in this story to plant this church, to establish this church in Corinth. The Hebrew people were baptized in the Jordan. The Corinthians, but they had a, a believer's baptism. The Hebrew had manna from heaven. The Corinthians had the bread that was Jesus' body. The Hebrews had the water from the, the rock that was Jesus. And the Corinthians had the wine that was the blood of Jesus. And what Paul wanted them to see, what he wanted to warn them about, is that just because God had done all that for them, and God had done all that for you, Corinth, there's still consequences to your decision. Even though God delivered them, even though God has delivered you, even though God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on this earth for your sins, friends, you still have a responsibility. You, you, you still need to be faithful and true. You can't just do whatever you want. You can't just worship other idols. You can't just be immoral. You can't just live in sin. You've got to be faithful. There's expectations of you. God has been faithful to you, and he, he expects you to be faithful to him. Don't believe me. Look at verse 5. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, and they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents and nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. In spite of God being the, the God of Israel, the God of the Hebrew people, in spite of all that God did for them, they still worshiped false gods. They still practiced sexual immorality. And as a, respo as a response, 23,000 fell on one day as a result of God's judgment. This is referring to Numbers 25. The point that Paul is bringing up is that he doesn't want the church of Corinth to think that just because God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for their sins doesn't mean they can worship false gods, they can practice sexual immorality, they can complain and gripe, they can deny Paul's apostleship. God sent man. They can deny Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Notice that these two, idolatry and sexual morality, often are in Scripture together. Where there's one, you will often find the other. 
Oftentimes, there, where there is an idol worship, there were orgies, there were temple prostitutes, nothing new, friends. And the people of God were complaining about God. They were complaining about his provisions. They were complaining about the chosen man to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. Moses, why have you got us out here eating manna? Why do you have us out here, you know, drinking from a rock? Why do you have us out here in the wilderness wandering around? Why are you, what, I mean, we would have been so much better with the Egyptians if you just would have left us there. Notice how someone's attitude changes their entire outlook. But more importantly, changes the outcome of their life. Their lack of gratitude for what God has done for them had produced in them anger, jealousy, envy, unhappiness. Instead of grateful, instead of reverence for God, they had a contempt of spirit towards God that led to idol worship and immorality. How's your attitude? How's your attitude towards, towards God, towards others? Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for us, for our instruction. Some of yours would say as a warning for us, on whom the end of the ages has come. Notice that Paul has said here that this happened to warn you. Don't make the same mistakes that your spiritual forefathers made. And again, Paul stated this chapter off by saying the same thing. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be, I want to educate you. Let me, let me warn you. Let me tell you about what happened before. I, I want you to understand. I want you to know the truth. I want you to understand. I want you to be warned of the dangers of the actions. If you keep doing this, Paul says, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. As a child, I was the, the youngest of four kids and I often watched my older siblings make mistakes and and I, I would learn from that, hey, I'm not going to say that to my dad because I, I know that if I do, I know he's going to whoop me, you know. And I, I, I know if I, if I skip class, my parents are going to find out one way. I, we lived in a small town. You do something wrong, my parents knew about it. You know what I mean? Like they just, my dad had 14 brothers and sisters. Like you don't, you don't get away with anything, you know what I mean? And so it's just one of those things. And so I just learned from those mistakes. I learned from many of their mistakes. And, uh, you know, at the same time that I, I saw their good examples, the things that they did right, and it, it made me want to emulate some of the things that they did. My brother, you, one of the hardest working men you ever meet in your entire life. And I saw, hey, the rewards of his hard work, his dedication, his commitment, his character. When I was a youth minister in Belton, Texas, there was a, I, I, I was a youth minister at a small church, you know, Miller Heights Baptist Church, not a mega church by any stretch of the imagination, but 
uh, just down the road, there was the First Baptist Church of Belton. And they had a long-tenured pastor who just recently retired called, named Dr. Andy Davis. And they, many of you, I, I doubt anybody has ever heard of Andy Davis, Pastor Andy. He hasn't written a book or a bestseller or he's not on TV or YouTube or Instagram or anything like that. But let me tell you what he has done for the last, you know, for decades. He has preached God's word. He has loved his family well, loved his community, loved his church, loved his Lord, and has been a faithful man of God. And, and everybody looked up to this man in this community. I mean, you just wanted to, you, you saw his character, and you just wanted to, to emulate this man. You have people like that in your life? Men, there are other men that you can follow besides what you see in your workplaces, on TV, social media. Ladies, there are ladies that you can look up to. People in this church who have set the bar on what it means to be a godly woman. There are other people who are serving with the wrong motives, wrong intentions, wrong attitude, wrong actions. We must stay away from these people. We must not emulate them, desire to have the same things that they have, look the same way that they look, but be set apart, be different, be better. Listen to how Paul finishes his passage of Scripture. Verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who takes, who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. Last week, Paul used the illustration of the runner. Remember that? If you're going to run a race, run to win. Imagine you being the fastest man in town and thinking to yourself, I don't need to train. I don't need to work hard. I can just show up to the race and run. I mean, it's foolishness, right? Because everybody else in that race is doing what? Is training, preparing themselves, working hard. And Paul's saying, here, listen, don't think of yourself so high and mighty that, that God's not going to judge you. That you're not going to be, like, you're not superhuman. You're human. You have a propensity to sin. You have a tendency to sin. Like, it's your nature. It's, your, it's who you are. You're, you have a sinful nature. And that Satan knows that about you. And he's going to tempt you. And he's going to try you. And he's going he's to come after you. When you're thinking that you're standing firm, when you're thinking that you, you have it all together, guess what? You don't. You don't. You need each other. You have a propensity to send one minute you can be on the top of the mountain and the next minute you can be in the valley of the shadow of death. Don't think of yourself so high and mighty. Don't think of yourself as superhuman. You're a sinner, Paul says. You have a propensity to sin. You're going to fall. It's in your nature. It's who you are. Verse 13 says that no temptation, though, has overtaken you 
that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may endure it. Paul is saying here is that the things that have caused other people to fall, guess what? They can cause you to fall too. You're not superhuman, friends. You're human. What he's also saying here is you're not alone. You ever struggle with sin? Am I the only one? I remember as a young man just overwhelmed by my sin and um, thinking that I was the only person that struggled, the only person that had hardships, the only person that, that dealt with it. And I remember going to my pastor and talking to him and he showed me this verse right here. And I was so relieved that I wasn't the only one that struggled with sin. You know, that, that the problems that I faced in my life, I wasn't the only man that struggled, that I wasn't the only person that had faults. Friends, I don't, I don't know what you're going through right now, but you're not the only one. You're not the only person that has sin, that, that, that falls and, and fails and, and comes up short. The, the sin that you have in your life right now, it's not uncommon. You're not the first person there. There's people, if you look around, there's probably a handful of people right now going through the same exact struggle. Going through the same exact struggle, the same exact sin. We're called to live in community for a reason, friends. To be able to support one another, to love one another, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to, to be an example of, hey, I, I've been there before. I know what it's like. Let me show you what, what worked. Let me, let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let me love you. In spite of your sin, in spite of your... Listen, listen to what this verse says. God is faithful. This word faithful means he's, it's true. He's, he's trustworthy. You can trust our God. It says that no matter what you're going through, no matter how tempted you are, God's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. So no matter, what you're, no matter what you're going through, you're able to overcome it. You have the power within you. You have the strength within you. God has given you the grace that you need to overcome the sin that is in your life. You have the power, friends. God has given you the ability to overcome sin. You have that inside of you. Don't think for a second that whatever you're going through is too strong to overcome. You are an overcomer. God has given you the ability to overcome. Listen also to what he says here. He will provide the way of escape. God will provide you that opportunity there's, if you're being tempted, listen, friends, just give yourself a minute. Give yourself time. Just a minute to think, okay, God, I'm going through this situation right now. Whatever it is, you told me that I can trust you. You said that you're faithful. Where's my escape? Where's it at? Listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He will provide you that opportunity to say no. Whatever it is, whatever you're going through, God is faithful. 
He will provide. And then also it says here that you will endure. Friends, let me tell you something. If, if God has saved you from your sin, like I, I believe that, that once he saves you, once he, he captures you, there's no releasing. Okay? He's not going to allow you to, to fall away. The security of the believer is what we say. Once saved, always saved. But what it also, what it, what it really does mean, what God teaches us, is that we are called to faithfulness. And that if you're faithful to him, that he will be faithful to you. God is true, friends. He is the truth. He is the truth. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please don't let this opportunity pass you by. Take this moment, take this chance and say, I need Jesus Christ. This altar is going to be here for you if you want to come forward and you want to, you want to pray. This is an opportunity for you. I'm going to be back in the Welcome Center and I would love to be able to talk you through what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ, what it means to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is an opportunity that you have. It's the best chance you have all week to get right with God. Don't let it pass you by. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. I pray for the person that's here today that's overcome by sin, it's overwhelmed by it, ashamed by their actions and their decisions. Father, I pray that they would today hand those over to you and allow for you and your grace and your mercy and your love to wipe away those sins and to make them as white as snow. Father God, I pray that you would just convict hearts today, that you would convict hearts today to have people put their heart, their, their faith and trust in you. Lord Jesus, we love you. And I pray that you would work in this time that we have here today. In your name that we pray and all God's people said, amen.